JB Morgan gold trader spoofed so fast he was urged to put ice on his fingers. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. And in today's video, we have an update on the JP Morgan spoofing trial where one of the traders was clicking his mouse so quickly that his coworkers urged him to put ice on his fingers. Also going to look at some of the new silver and gold data on the commitment of traders reports and some of the ETFs, as well as a bunch of the other economic headlines that have been coming out over the past week. No shortage of things going on and let's dig in. And as you see, to start with here, JP Morgan trader, gold trader, spoofed so fast he was urged to put ice on his fingers. Greg Smith clicked his computer mouse so rapidly to place and cancel bogus gold and silver orders for Bear Stearns and later JP Morgan. That his colleagues would joke he needed to put ice on his fingers to cool them down afterwards or that perhaps he was double jointed. That's how his former protege, Kristen Troons, who had already pled guilty, described to jurors how he watched Smith use so-called spoof trades, large orders intended to manipulate the prices that were quickly canceled. And again, as the other fellas did, who also pled guilty, said he learned how to spoof from the senior traders on the desk. Article over on Zero Hedge has a few more quotes. Here's Christian Troons again. This was an open strategy on the desk. It wasn't hidden. We all traded that way. We utilized that strategy on the desk to make money for ourselves and for our clients. And that those trades were deceptive and they were used to bring out a reaction from the algorithms to get what we needed done. Went on to explain that his boss coached him to lie to compliance officials about price manipulating orders and later counseled him against pleading guilty. And before Troons was to meet with compliance officials, he said Nowak urged him to say, every order you put into the market you intended to trade but this was not true. And he said, you're not gonna turn around and plead, are you? Although that's exactly what he did. And now Nowak, as well as a couple of the other traders are in this trial ongoing and will be interesting to see how this plays out. Certainly some fascinating commentary has come out as we've gone along the way and do believe these traders are facing significant jail time if convicted. So I know that's not necessarily helping Gold and silver owners feel much better about it, but at least the trial is taking place and I will continue to keep you posted on the updates that come out from that. And now we'll take a quick look over. Here is the silver futures COT, blue line representing the commercial short position, which you can see has really gotten a lot smaller over these past couple of months. If you look at the swap dealers report shows the banks even being long. Uh, a couple different ways of looking at it, but interesting to see this reduction continue. The trend has traditionally been that when the banks are close to flat or long, which hasn't happened in quite a while, that is often when the price rises and then generally they get more short and the price gets hammered down. So right now, as Dave Kranzler talked about in his report last Thursday as well, really an indication that the banks have more incentive than ever to see the price go up. Again, counterbalancing that, we do have interest rate hikes going on and there will be a Fed meeting this Wednesday where it seems like the expectation now 75 basis points, some still expecting 100 basis points, but probabilities from the Fed fund futures indicating that we will likely get a 75 basis point hike. 
And on one hand, I would think that shouldn't affect silver too much more because that's been known and priced in for a while. And on the other hand, you see this chart here showing that the banks getting less short or even long. So we'll keep an eye on that. You can see a similar pattern in the gold COT chart, not quite as close to being flat. Although when you look out at least over the past year, and even if you go further back than that, you can see that this is quite a reduction. And actually, Alistair McLeod will be on the show this week. And I'm curious to get his opinion if he thinks that might be related to any of the Basel III changes that we've seen over the past year. So tune in for that one later this week. Quick look at the weekly transparent gold and silver holdings. You can see metal continues to come out somewhat expectedly on the price decline. From all the reports I've seen, not much physical gold selling. This is mostly in the paper markets, meeting margin calls. But nonetheless, you can see that the metals coming out of there, similar to SLV and the silver funds, perhaps not as dramatic, but last week, again, another 11.1 million ounces coming out. And in terms of the COMEX, metal continues to slowly come out of the registered category. A lot of it is just going into the eligible, so not actually leaving the building. Now, whether any of that metal that's going into the eligible will be put back up for sale at any point soon, uh, we'll only be able to know that with the passage of time. But at least in terms of what's registered and available for delivery, down to about 60 million ounces. Here was an interesting article last week from John Hathaway for Sprott Gold Report, mentioning that with the inflation, there's no quick fix. And certainly I do agree with him on that. He mentioned some of the challenges facing the first half of 2022 and that inflation is likely to remain high. He feels we are still in the early stages of a recession, that the bear market may have a long way to go. And certainly with the money supply starting to go negative now, I would think that would be the case. Also talks about the pain of widening credit spreads has yet to be felt and confidence in the Fed likely to prove illusory which I don't know how much we've seen overall of that. I think a lot of the world is still looking to the Fed. Many perhaps have more confidence in their ability to get out of this corner they're backed in than I do. But John, as well as many others, myself included, and many of the guests that I've had on the show, believes the Fed may call a premature ceasefire. And we'll dig into some of the mortgage data in a moment, but Certainly seems like a very realistic possibility, especially based on the way the Fed handled the crisis back in 2008. One last note down here I thought was worth passing along. Gold, as we have previously stated, is not an inflation hedge. Instead, we believe gold offers defense against the systemic risks that abound today, including the potential for sudden asset deflation. I thought that was interesting because certainly one thing that I suppose I was wrong about was thinking that just because inflation was higher, we would see that reflected in the gold and silver prices. And in a sense, that has been the case in the gold price, which while off from its $2,077 high earlier this year, still above 1700, which is a pretty high level historically compared to just about any other period. Yet what John points out here is that He's looking at gold as defense against systemic risks, which there are plenty of them out there. We'll talk in a couple minutes about some of the latest developments in Russia that have not gone away. And of course, 
U.S. is not paying down its debt or showing any indications of doing so anytime soon. And while certainly I think there could be some point that more mainstream investors react to the inflation by purchasing silver and gold than have so far, perhaps it may take until there is some sort of systemic risk that creates a bigger problem and not far off based on some of the things that we see going on out there. In terms of the mortgage market, as I mentioned, here is the NAHB housing market index plummeted to 55 in July, down from 67 in June. According to NAHB chairman Jerry Conter, production bottlenecks, rising home building costs, and high inflation causing many builders to halt construction because of the cost of land construction and financing exceeds the market value of the home. And the NHB index has been falling since the start of the year at the same time that the 30-year mortgage rates have risen. Certainly possible to see mortgage rates rise faster while the Fed hikes. Here, hopefully my face isn't covering this, but you can see some of the data in the index in this row here. And 83 in January, 81, 79, 77, 69, 67, and preliminary July number of 55. So is being reflected in the mortgage markets, which is quite a large portion of the economy. One other note from that article, though, recession fears weighed on U.S. stock prices yesterday after report that Apple plans to slow its hiring and spending growth next year in some divisions to cope with a potential economic downturn. This follows recent steps taken by Alphabet, Amazon, Meta, and Snap to rein in budgets and decelerate hiring. What's interesting, there was a note out of the White House saying that they disputed that the official definition of recession was two quarters of economic growth. And if I ever imagined this would happen, I kind of agree that I've thought before whether there really is an outright strict definition of recession. I suppose that's someone everyone could look at a different way. But when you see companies reacting to what's happening, slowing down in hiring, Certainly many data points supporting that the economy is slowing down. And I believe we'll have GD, uh, second quarter GDP coming out this week. Here's another article, job listings starting to trend lower. Active job listings in the U.S. dropped 2.8% in June, according to LinkUp data. That's on top of 4.2% and 3.1% decreases in May and April. So we're starting to see the signs of that. And certainly when you look out at some of the things that are happening in the world, the sanctions against Russia and the inflation and a whole host of other things that we've been talking about. I think that makes a lot of sense. And now we are seeing it show up in the data. Another thing that happened last week was Russia actually slashed their interest rates by another 150 basis points. The rate had gone as high as 20%, similar to Paul Volcker in 1980, interestingly enough, down to 9.5%. And the Russian officials are talking about how inflation has actually been coming down in Russia. Annual inflation fell to 15.9% in June from 17.1% in May and was last estimated at 15.5% as of July 15th. And you see at the bottom here, overall, we now expect the policy rate to end this year at 7% and 2023 at 5.5%, which is lower than most expect. Still quite a ways above where the Fed is and certainly where they even in, have talked about taking it to. And if you take a look at the ruble U.S. dollar exchange rate, you can see it's at 55, had spiked 
earlier in July, as the U.S. dollar index was hitting highs of about the last 20 years, although again, it has come in. Meanwhile, ongoing situation with Russia and Europe, where Europe is getting a lot of their natural gas from Russia, or perhaps put more appropriately, has not been getting a lot of their natural gas from Russia. The Nord Stream pipeline, which has been down to regular maintenance, as they're waiting for a turbine that has been undergoing repairs in Canada, and Germany has been racing to return the turbine to Russia after Canada earlier this month exempted the component from its sanctions. So that's something we've seen before where they're issuing sanctions, but then when it comes down to facing the cost of those sanctions, the decisions do change quite a bit. And Putin also warned the West that its plan to cap the prices of Russian oil would rock global markets and push prices up. Now we're hearing all sorts of crazy ideas about limiting the volume of Russian oil and capping the Russian oil price. Oil prices will skyrocket. And it certainly is interesting to hear the countries that are struggling with the higher oil prices, such as U.S. as one example. And you have Biden going over to Saudi Arabia trying to get more oil released. And here is a quote from Janet Yellen. A price cap on Russian oil is one of our most powerful tools to address the pain Americans and families across the world are feeling at the gas pump and the grocery store right now. Seems a little bizarre to me that they would place a cap on Russian oil and that that would actually work. My guess is that we would once again see the law of unintended consequences of economics kick in. And as you just heard, Putin doesn't seem to be too thrilled with that idea. And seems like a lot of the U.S. sanctions have backfired. Similarly, the Europeans placing sanction as well and have left both U.S. and Europe in challenging positions. At the same time, we have Turkey now looking to ditch the dollar in payments for Russian energy. Turkey's president, Erdogan, will discuss paying for Russian energy impoints with currencies other than the U.S. dollar when he meets his Russian counterpart, Vlad Putin, in Tehran. This was last week. So you see this bifurcation across the globe continuing and how that plays out. There's part of me that still wonders if this is eventually headed to some sort of reset with the Eastern countries turning more and more to gold over the past decade while the West has a lot of paper. And that would seem to be the vulnerability point to me. And just interesting to see the way that this continues to diverge there really hasn't been a lot of positive news since this war started. More reports of destruction over the past week, which is certainly unfortunate. And I've been thinking about it at times where I can't even imagine what it must be like living in the Ukraine right now and how people function. And my heart just goes out to anyone that is there and affected by that and hoping for a safer, more calmer world in the near future soon. With that said, we did have a note from last week, did not get to comment on yet, European Central Bank finally coming out of negative territory. Many were only expecting a quarter point hike, but ECB surprised markets by pushing its benchmark rate up 50 basis points, bringing its deposit rate to zero. And you can see that did boost the euro, which had dipped just under parity with the dollar now at 102 as of this recording Sunday night. Obviously, Europe has a lot of indebted countries that probably are not going to handle higher interest rates, even if they're just getting to zero all that well, which is one of the reasons why 
there doesn't seem to me to be an easy out to this situation, yet we'll continue to cover it and track what happens. Here's one other story, just passing this one along. I'll leave you to decide what to make of this, but WHO declares rapidly spreading monkeypox outbreak, global health emergency. This was the interesting part. The rare designation means the WHO now views the outbreak as a significant enough threat to global health that a coordinated international response is needed. Hopefully this won't be like the COVID thing, but just a little concerning to see the WHO talking about another global health emergency. Obviously everyone's lived through the last couple of years of COVID, which was not easy or fun. And due to YouTube policies, I will leave my comments about that situation at that, but it would be interesting to see if this does accelerate and you pile that on top of everything else that's going on. Certainly not an easy environment. Here's a quick note that Wall Street Silver passed along. Nancy Pelosi getting asked about insider trading and in the category of funny yet disturbing, we'll play her response here. Over the course of your career, uh, has your husband ever made a stock purchase or sale based on the information you received? What are you saying? Uh, over the course of your career, has your husband ever made a stock purchase or sale based on the information you received from him? No, absolutely not. Okay. Now, certainly there have been reports that would dispute Paul Pelosi's trading. There was a Microsoft deal last year and a couple of other things that seem pretty far past even the gray area, yet that seems to be how things go. Although fortunately, before we wrap up, would like to thank Kuya Silver for bringing us this video tonight. They did have a bit of news out as they announced that they had agreed to a term loan financing for proceeds of 300,000 Canadian dollars for general working purposes in Peru and Canada. And also a corporate update, Kuya's goal for the Bethania Silver Project remains to build a 350 ton per day processing facility as contemplated in the technical report summarizing the results of the recent preliminary economic assessment. However, in the immediate future, the company's management has decided to focus on reviewing options that will add further value to the project until conditions are supportive for raising the required funds and making a construction decision. The company is evaluating the opportunity to conduct toll milling at Bethania prior to construction, which could generate near-term cash flow while de-risking the mining operation by providing valuable production experience and advancing the underground development required for eventual full-scale production. So I am hoping to have David Stein to check in with us again on the show soon and be able to dig into that and any other developments with Kuya. But that is the news for today. Hope you're having a great start to your week. And in case you'd like to see more about the recent reductions in the bank short positions, well, that was the topic of Dave Kranzler's call last Thursday. And you can just click on the video that's coming your way now.